Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our morning service, Sunday 30th of June, 2019. This morning we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 to 34, and brings us a message entitled, It Could Be Your Problem Part 2. ...to the Gospel of Matthew, for some readings from Matthew 6, Matthew 8, and Matthew 16. This is God's word. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew chapter 8, please. Verse 23. And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And then the man marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey him. Matthew 16, please. Verse 5. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gather? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gather? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood 
that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Father, with our Bibles open, we again look to the gracious ministry of the Holy Spirit. Teach us what we do not know. Give to us what we do not have. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Fred used to worry all the time. He worried about everything and anything. His friends called him the worrier. And one day Bill was walking down the street when he saw his worrying friend bouncing along as happy as a man could be. Fred was actually whistling and humming a tune and wearing a huge smile. He looked as if he hadn't a care in the world. Bill could hardly believe his eyes. It was obvious that a radical change had taken place. So Bill, knowing Fred as he did, was eager to find out what had happened. He stopped Fred and told him how well he looked and referred to the obvious change in his appearance and actions. What brought about this? How did this happen, Fred? Well, said Fred, I hired a man to do all my worrying for me. He says, pardon? He says, I hired a man to do all my worrying for me. How much did that cost you? £500 a week. He says, what? £500 a week. He says, how do you raise that sort of money? And Fred looked at Bill. And he says, hold your tongue, man. Sure, that's his worrying, not mine. <laughs> we say it would be a great thing to find someone like that. But you sing about it all the time. All my anxiety. All my care. Bring to the mercy seat. Leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. Hands up those who know that chorus. Okay, keep your hand up if you've ever sung that chorus. Put your hand down. Sometimes it's easier to know it. And to believe it. And sometimes it's easier to sing it than it is to apply it. We're taking another look at these three sections of Matthew's Gospel. It could be your problem. Majoring on a little phrase that is located in Matthew 6, in Matthew 8, and in Matthew 16. And we have highlighted that in Matthew chapter 6, it is noted that it's associated with an anxiety that is prevalent among God's people, namely worry. Jesus talks about worry here. Being concerned over the future. Being anxious about something we can't do anything about. And being worried about something we don't really know. We discovered last week it's inconsistent if God is our Heavenly Father. It's irrational if we look at the birds of the air. It's ineffective because it can't add a single hour to our life. And it's illogical because when you look at the flowers in the field and when you look at the birds in the air and you realize that our Heavenly Father clothes them and feeds them, it's illogical for us to think that He will not do the same for us. And it's irresponsible for us behaving the way the pagans behave. 
But I want you to come this morning to Matthew chapter 8. Because we need to move on. And in Matthew chapter 6, it is associated with an anxiety that is prevalent among God's people and it makes us fretful. Notice here in Matthew chapter 8, it is associated with an anxiety that, or an activity that is painful among God's people. In Matthew 6, it is associated with being fretful. But you will see in Matthew 8, it is associated with being fearful, being afraid. It's linked with testing circumstances. The disciples were caught in a storm, a common occurrence in Lake Galilee, a storm that can whip the waves into a frenzy and the disciples couldn't cope. Their spiritual address at this moment of time was Wits End Corner. The high winds were tossing the little boat and the strong waves were threatening to sink them. And no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't get the water out quick enough. They had Jesus on board, but he was asleep and they were at their wits end. They were agitated, alarmed, frantic. They had faith, but they were not applying it. They were not saying, yes, I, I, I see the waves, I feel the wind, but... Jesus is on board. Are we going to perish with the master of the winds and the waves on board? Is there anything that he cannot do? He has turned water into wine. He has given sight to the blind. He's even raised the dead. Does he not love us? Does he not care for us? Has he not promised that he will never leave us or forsake us? Isn't God our heavenly Father and our Father in heaven knows what we need? And this is how we apply our faith. The disciples eventually went to Jesus. They went to him in a panic, but they ultimately went to him. And he rebuked the winds and the waves, and there was a great calm. And a grave crisis was replaced with a great calm. And I think again of a little chorus, and you have sung it. With Christ in the vessel, we can smile at the storm. Fancy going to pieces when the master of the winds and the waves and every storm is on board. But that can happen when we don't apply our faith. That can happen when we don't heed the exhortation of the psalmist in Psalm 46 when he says, Be still and know that I am God. And in spite of what we see and in spite of what we sense, we must always keep in mind that he is the sovereign God and he is in control of every situation. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. Nothing is outside his sovereign purposes. So in Matthew 6, we have an anxiety that is prevalent among God's people, making them fretful. In Matthew 8, we have an activity that is painful among God's people, making them fearful. Come now to Matthew chapter 16. Oh, you of little faith, <coughs> why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have brought no bread? And here is an attitude that is possible among God's people. Forgetfulness. An elderly couple had trouble remembering common day-to-day -day things. 
you ever have that problem? They both decided that they would write down requests the other had and so tried to avoid forgetting. And one evening the wife asked if the husband would like anything and he replied, yes, I'd like some vanilla ice cream with strawberries and chocolate sprinkle and toffee sauce. He, didn't, he certainly didn't live in our house. And the wife started off for the kitchen and the husband shouted after her, aren't you going to write it down? And she said, don't be silly, I'm going to make it right now, I won't forget so she'd gone for quite some time, and when she finally returned, she set in front of him a large plate of scrambled eggs, bacon, mushroom, tomatoes, and a glass of orange juice. And he took a look at it, and took a look at her, and he said to her, I knew you should have written it down. You forgot the toast. <laughs> Sometimes we're affected by forgetfulness. I know it can be fun, but sometimes it can be serious. You see, look at the context here. Jesus had been talking about the leaven of the Pharisees. He'd been talking about their false teaching. And the disciples misinterpret what he was saying. They got it all wrong. I'm asking you to put your hands up a lot this morning. Don't put them up. But think about this. Have you ever got it all wrong? Have you ever misread, misinterpreted, misunderstood the circumstances. They thought that he was having a go at them because they had forgotten to bring bread. And Jesus responded by saying, whatever made you think that I was talking about physical bread, have you forgotten? Have you not remembered? Have you not learned anything that I've been trying to teach you? What about the five loaves and the 5,000 and the baskets you gathered up? What about the seven loaves and the 4,000 and the baskets you gathered up? You see, every child of God gathers an experience of God, of his care, of his compassion, of his protection, of his faithful provision. And when the crisis comes, we need to stop and think and call to our remembrance the great things and the good things that the Lord has done for us. He has not failed us yet and he will not fail us now. That's what David did in Psalm 37 and verse 25. He says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And you and I need to file each experience of God's care and provision. His faithfulness, His goodness, His grace. Uh, we need to file it into the filing cabinets of our mind. And then when some new crisis comes upon us, we need to consult those files and remember that the one who has been our Jehovah Jireh thus far will not fail us today or tomorrow. Strength for today is mine all the way. And all that I need for tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. But he's my tomorrow. And everything that God does for me is a reminder that he loves me. That he cares for me. That he loves me with a love that is everlasting. And he will never let me go. So you and I need to apply our faith amid all the ups and downs of life, amid all the pressures and problems and pain. And the more we apply our faith, the more we will see God at work. Like the Thessalonians that we looked at last week when Paul writes 
to them in his second letter. He says, your faith is growing abundantly. Are you going on with God? Are you growing in your faith? Because there's still land to be gained and ground to be possessed. We're still pressing on the upward way, I trust. New heights gaining every day, still praying as we onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. You see, beware of little faith. It will make you fretful. It will make you fearful. It will make you forgetful. I remember learning a hymn. I had a, a lovely brother in the church in Kilkeel, Brother Lewis Scott, and he had a great knowledge of hymns and hymnology. And he brought me many, many hymns and many stories behind the hymns. And here was a lovely one. From the day I learned it, I never forgotten. Amid the trials that I meet, amid the thorns that pierce my feet, this thought remains supremely sweet. Thou thinkest, Lord, of me. What need I fear when thou art near? And thinkest, Lord, of me. You know the old hymn, Tis So Sweet, to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord. I'm so glad I've learned to trust him, precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that thou art with me, will be with me. To the end. Someone asked me the question, Are you afraid of death? And I said, No. I might be fearful of dying. I don't know what the process is going to be like, but I know this. When it happens, there will be grace for that need. Let's reflect for a moment this morning. Here we have in Matthew 6. An anxiety that is prevalent among God's people, making us fretful. Here in Matthew 8, we have an activity that is painful among God's people, making us fearful. Here in Matthew 16, we have an attitude that is possible among God's people, making us forgetful. You see, it all comes from little faith. Because little faith belittles the sovereignty of God. It goes about as if God was dead. That God is no longer in control. Little faith undermines the goodness of God. And little faith disregards the wisdom of God. So what is God's remedy for little faith? <coughs> well, the answer to that is growing faith. How can our faith grow? How can our faith mature? Am I more trusting in my attitude to God today than the day I first trusted him in salvation? The writer in Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. And if you're here this morning and you have no faith, you cannot please God. You need faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of them who seek after him. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so here is the key this morning that will unlock the door and bring us from little faith into much faith. It's in verse 33 of Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And as I close, note three things here. There's a determined concentration in this verse. The word is seek. It's not a casual word. It's a strong, active word. It is the thought of single-mindedness. Be determined to give the Lord his rightful place. The attitude of my heart, the attitude of my mind, the aspiration of my soul is this. Lord, Lord, have your way in my life every day. And I say that because I've come to the realization that there's no rest, there's no peace until the Lord has his way. And in concentrating on this, I place my life in his hands, I rest secure in his plans, and I allow the Lord to have his way. For as for God, his way is perfect. So there is a determined concentration here. Seek. Don't be casual about the Lord's will. Don't be casual about where God is in your life. And there's a definite competition in this verse. Seek first. The Lord Jesus is speaking to his own. And the importance of him having first place, not second place. There's a plea here for priority. There is a recognition here that there is an enemy to face. There's a battle to be fought. But thank God there's a victory can be won. You know that at conversion, God became our father, Jesus Christ became our friend, and the devil became our foe. And Paul writing in Ephesians 6 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Wake up! There's a war on! We're in a battle! We are living out our faith, not in a playground, but in a battlefield. And the devil's after us. But thanks be to God this morning, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So note here, there is a determined concentration. There's a definite competition. Seek first. There's a divine compensation. And all these things will be added to you. Look at the context. Very important. Part of the all things relate to what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. We could define them as the everyday things of life. Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its evil thereof. The old hymn writer puts it like this, through all the changing scenes of life. In trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. Fear him, ye saints, and you will then have nothing else to fear. Make but his service your delight. Your wants shall be his care. I read recently about a pastor who was on a long-distance flight. When the first signs of problems began to flash, all of us have experienced this. And the announcement came, fasten your seats belt. And then a few seconds later, and another announcement, we won't be serving any refreshments at this time. We're, we're expecting a little turbulence. Make sure your seat belts are fastened. The skies darkened. The lightning began to strike and 
The plane went through the sky like, like a cork. He said some people were crying. Some people were screaming. Many people were praying. And then he saw a little girl. She had been sitting in the seat and had tucked up her feet beneath her and she sat on the seat reading a book. Sometimes she would close her eyes and then she would read again and then she would straighten her legs. But worry and fear didn't seem to be part of her. He was intrigued. He couldn't figure it out. And he waited for her coming off the flight after they safely landed to see if he could speak to her for a moment. And that opportunity arose. And he said, I noticed when everybody was screaming and praying and frantic, you were sitting there with your legs tucked up, reading a book and then closing your eyes occasionally. I'm curious. And she looked at him. And she said this. My daddy's the pilot. And he's taking me home. Lovely. My daddy's the pilot. And he's taking me home. I learned it as a wee boy. I learned a lot of things as a wee boy. If you want a pilot, sing the land to Jesus. If you want a pilot, bid him come on board. For he will safely guide through the ocean wide until at last you reach the heavenly harbor. There's no children here that mightn't hear it in the tape. I wasn't always on the best behavior in this children's meeting. There are times I was put at a certain form that had a certain appeal about it, but wasn't attractive. But I remember meeting one of those folk that had taught me those courses. And I said to them, you might have thought that much was going in there. The Lord has never let me forget them in my life. Brothers and sisters, this morning, our Father's way may twist and turn. Our hearts may throb and ache, but in our souls let us be glad to know that he makes no mistakes. Don't be fretful. Don't be fearful. Don't be forgetful. The Lord God, omnipotent, reigns. May thank God for his word. May he bless it to our hearts. We're going to sing.